this series we're doing right now and the, the conviction and even being part of things like that is something that our leadership team has been uh, praying through and working through for months. And, and I will say this, by the way, came out of a quarterly town hall in some ways, too. We started talking about what we're doing as a church and why we're doing it. Um, I hope that you know we talked about the discernment of the body, that we're listening to God and to one another about what he's calling us to do as a church. And um, we really are, um, you know, we're doing our best to just submit to what he wants uh, for our lives and for our church's life. Um, we, we came out of the, this off-site we had with a couple of convictions. One is the leadership structure, which I talked about before. Um, and then the second conviction was this idea that um, we have changed as a church family. We've changed. But here's what we're going to talk about today. Not only have we changed, we recognized that last week in, in the material uh, from the scriptures, um, this idea that Jesus says we must change to become part of his kingdom. But this week we're going to talk about this radical, and I think this is a radical commitment to being willing to change. All of us are resistant to change at some level. And our leadership team got together one day and we prayed and we said, we are open to change. We're open to what God has for us. We're willing to change. And that's where this, this kind of two-week series came from, was that conviction that the leadership team came to um, together. And so, but today we're going to look at Scripture as we always do. And we're going to ask the question, so if we're willing to change, then how must we change? That's going to be the question today. How must we change? And that means... I will say this again. The Word of God applies to your individual life, your individual circumstance. It also applies to groups of people who are following Jesus together. And it applies to anyone on the planet who wants to be part of what God is doing. You have to be willing to change and be open to change. And so um, we're going to talk about that from Scripture. And uh, I'm going to read it and we're going to pray together. We're going to, by the way, and so we're going to read from, let me see where we're at here, Romans and it's going to say probably Romans 12, 2, but 12, 1 and 2. We're actually going to read from 11.33. Pretty darn close to 12.1, by the way. So you're not going to be too far off if you look at Romans 12. Um, give you just a second to get there. And um, then we're going to read the scriptures. Here's what the word says. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and how his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who, was, who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome. And this is what he says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I'm going to ask you to pray with me that we could understand Scripture rightly and then apply it to our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. So would you join me in prayer today? Uh, Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for... Um, the gift it is to us in our lives. And, and Father, um, we thank you for who you are. Uh, honestly, whether we recognize you or not, you are God. Whether we acknowledge you or not, you are God. Whether we praise you or not, you are God. And we acknowledge that today with broken hearts and broken lips. We acknowledge that you are God and we don't often enough say that. We don't often enough worship you for that alone. And so today, Father God, we remember that together, that you are worthy of worship. Uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the inspiration that, that, um, to, to give it to us, to the Holy Spirit, that you inspired us um, to have it, to keep it. And, and now we ask you would help us to understand it. 
and we do make a ridiculous uh, historic claim about this text that it's your revelation to your people. And therefore, we need your correction. We need your rebuke. We need your uh, um, wisdom to understand it and to not only that, but to apply it to our lives. Today, we submit to you as much as we are able, and we ask that you would transform us um, through the understanding of your scripture. May you be glorified as we seek you together. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We always do that. I hope you don't think that's like cliche. It's really true, you know. Um, I, 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 I've personally, I know many of you have been personally challenged and changed by the Word of God and probably don't, don't read it enough or know enough of it um, to really allow our lives to be changed. But the, the Holy Spirit will use it in powerful ways in your life if you will but listen. Um, we're going to talk about Romans 12.2 today mostly, but it's really interesting because um, Paul in writing this letter to Rome, and there's many, many things. This is a great book of the Bible to, to read. It's a very complex book, I think. It's a very well-thought-out, um, reasoned book. It's a very reasonable book. Um, but the, there's this moment here where Paul, at the end of 11, seems to get this, you know, holy Jesus moment about the reality of the size and magnitude of God, of who God is, of his grandeur, of his glory. Um, and, and Paul What's striking to me as we come in, and we always talk about the context around the text, and, and what's striking to me is after Paul says how beautiful and wonderful, he says some who has been God's counselor, that they should know the mind of God. I mean, he's beyond tracing out. And I know we've talked about this before, but it's, it's called the doxology. It's glory to God for his beauty. The psalmists were filled with these doxologies of God's glory and grandeur. Almighty God, our fortress and our shield. Today we read from the 84th Psalm, Better is one day in your house beautiful person in who God is, the, the reality of his presence in our lives. And at the end of that, I mean, right on the heels of that, Paul says this word. He says, therefore. You know, and that's what we've got to get about this, this text. He says, therefore, because of God's glory, because of his grandeur, because he's beyond our understanding, because he's beyond our, our reason or our scope, therefore, he says, live your lives as living sacrifices, Right? And then he says in, in verse uh, 2, I'm going to read it again. Um, do not conform. See, it's like, therefore, do not conform anymore to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we're going to spend some time on that today. Um, and this is the tough thing, right? And this is what's funny about the gospel and um, how much it challenges what we think we know about life and what life is about. You know, this is why um, when, when God says we must change, we say we're willing to change, and then God confronts us with change. It's a very painful process to be changed because we, we come out of a context where we've been, we've been taught the way things are. We've been shown the way things ought to be. All of us, no matter our experience in life, have, have come from a family and a background. We've been raised in a culture. Many of us here in the States, some of you have been raised overseas possibly in different cultures, and all those things shape you. And, and one of the things we talked about before with missions, which is, which is really true, is we can kind of idealize what it's like to be raised in another country and then demonize what it's like to be raised here. But the truth is that the gospel requires that everyone must change. Not just people from the West, not just people who are from the States, or not just people from other countries, but everyone, everyone must change. And, um, and so today, that's exactly what Paul is talking about. He says, do not conform anymore to the patterns of this world. And this is the first thing I kind of want to talk to you about, is this life has a shape, you know? Like, the life that we have together has a shape. 
Um, and I said, like, you, you know, the kind of person you're supposed to be. I mean, I know I was talking to Chris this week about, as a parent, the expectations I have for the character, the quality of people I want my kids to become. It, you know, it's, it, there's, a, there's a hope. There's a, a dream for who they could be. This, this, uh, the environment raised, and I keep calling it the culture, but, you know, it's unfair. It's just the life, right? This, 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 this period of time, this age, has a shape and a pattern to it. And all of us, whether we acknowledge it or not, um, have a tendency to want to conform to the pattern or the shape. Um, I was noticing this morning as we were here together how many of us dress alike here at Family Bible Church. We hung out a long time together. We start to dress alike, you know. Um, maybe the, the kind of vehicle you choose to drive kind of defines the type of person you are. By the way, whether that's an awesome vehicle, I know um, sometimes in my college days, my favorite car was the beater that I had. I loved it. I loved it. I took great pride in the fact that water came through the floorboards, you know, when it rained. <laughs> and, uh, you know what I'm saying? So, but they took great pride because it identified me with a people group. You know what I mean? Some of what happened with youth at Unite is a recognition that, um, uh, that they're in the same group together. That's exciting to me, by the way, that they're in the same group following Jesus together is a very exciting thing. Well, I wanted to, I was thinking of a, um, this whole passage in a way I could illustrate it to you. And so I brought some stuff today that's going to be kind of fun. I hope, um, talking about the patterns of the world and our tendency that we have with one another. By the way, thank you to the Sapiens for hooking me up with this gear this morning. If you don't know, they have a house full of kids, so they have all the right toys. Um, and, and this is kind of what it, re- it reminds me of. Um, the 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 creation narrative is that God made us in his image, right? And I, I, we talked before the struggle about innocence, you know, um, all those things. Um, we can have long conversations about it. But there's this idea that God had made us. And then what invariably happens in life, well, I got a rolling pin and everything, which I'm pretty excited about. I didn't have a rolling pin when I was a kid. you guys have a rolling pin? Anybody for Play-Doh? You kind of don't need it. Do you need it? All right. um, but what happens is that Whatever doesn't fit, whatever doesn't fit for the cultural pre, presupposition of who you're supposed to be. And I don't know what it is, you know what I mean? Um, but whatever, like, so there's a shape to the life that we have. And, and we're this created image of God. And then whatever doesn't fit, we have a tendency to want to, um, you know, kind of cut away like that, you see. And, and this is... I don't know what it is. It's part of our parenting. It's part of our thing. And we want our kid to not look different. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, there's something about the, 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 the patterns of life that we conform to. The things that I worry about whenever I'm raising my own kids, do, do they match um, with the culture? Um, do, do I make them unnecessarily weird or whatever? And I noticed that I made my little guy, oh, let me see if I can pull him out of the mold now. And... Um, He's missing a foot. <laughs> Cause I'm, and so maybe you try to kind of graft a foot in, you know, because you want him to look like. Or maybe you do this to yourself. Right? I mean, maybe, and maybe you feel like some of the best parts of you have been just cut out completely. Ignored. I don't know. Paul, Paul says of a believer, he, he presumes there's a pattern in the world that we're being jammed into, you know? He presumes that there's, this, there's this, um, this, this mold that the world wants us to, to conform to, to take its shape. By the way, um, some, another way you can take the shape of something 
right, is not just to be cut by it, but to, you know, kind of just lay on it and just kind of slowly over time begin to mold, you know. That's what, and Paul's like, no. Believers, don't keep doing this. Don't keep doing this. And the amazing thing I find in Scripture is that um, the gospel, when, when understood rightly, I'm going to say, changes everything. It, it challenges our thinking at every level. It, it, it's countercultural in every possible way, not just in the ways that you think our culture is broken. Does that make sense? I mean, there are things that I think is wrong with our culture, right? And there are things that I think they're wrong in other cultures, but that's not the gospel. I mean, the gospel runs contrary in almost every way to our instincts as human beings. The mind of Christ is different than the world. And, and so here Paul says, um, do, not, do no, longer, no longer conform to the ways of the world. No longer conform to the patterns of the world. One of the things I was thinking about with this, by the way, is that, um, and one of the things we're we sensitive to now as we continue to try to go and share the gospel, and I can only be honest with you and tell you this is a, a really hard thing to get sorted out, is are we making followers that look like us or making followers that look like Jesus? In the early missionary movements from the West um, to other continents, it was much more about helping um, the primitive people become modern. And if we're not careful, that's still what it becomes. Helping them um, have running water or a toilet that you sit on, right? That's our weirdness, by the way. Or um, electricity and television, or the internet, uh, computers. And, and, and this substitutes for the gospel, which is that there's a broken pattern in the world that needs to be challenged and changed. And so we're not called to make disciples look like us, but disciples that look like, look like Jesus. So then the second thing, so the, life has a shape. And, and now, and that's just the way it is. And um, we, we all have to deal with it and for, for in whatever way. But Paul doesn't just say, by the way, this is a nice biblical example of this. Um, it's never just stop that in the Bible. If you ever have a problem that you need to stop, change, you know, you must change. The Bible never says, just stop it. Just stop it. It's always stop this, start that. Stop this, start that. And that's what we're going to hear next in this um, one verse of Scripture. Be no longer conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed. But be transformed is the next part of that verse, right? And it means that we must be transformed. And that's, that's what we're talking about. So um, transformation is a little different. And I'm going to stick with my Plato illustration here. Because um, if you're no longer going to be conformed to the ways of the world, if you're no longer going to try to fit the patterns, I want you to notice a few things about the, the way the verse reads. The transformation isn't a mustering strength. You know what I mean? Uh, the transformation is something that's a byproduct of a God-oriented relationship. The change that happens in us, the change that we so long for. I was talking to someone this week, and, I, and this is the way I described it, and it really is striking. Maybe you'll agree with me or not, and I'd love to hear either way. But there are things in my life that feel like Jesus. And I know I've heard before feelings, but I'm, I'm just saying, it's not feelings like, oh, I feel happy or sad. It's like, it's Jesus. It's this, it's this Holy Spirit-empowered thing that I recognize is good and right and pure and holy, and I'm drawn to it. And then there's this fleshly desire, this, this things of the flesh that's the opposite of the things of Jesus. And there are some things in my life where I'm really torn. I'm really torn. 
And, and, and Paul says this about it. He says, don't be conformed to the ways of the world. That's this fleshly desire. But be transformed. Be changed. So here's the crazy thing about transformation. Um, is that the word literally it means um, to be changed. I mean, to be fundamentally restructured. And to be open to it. Here's two things that will happen, though. You see, one thing is that all of your hard work and trying to fit in the mold will not longer count. It won't matter anymore. It just won't. And all the stuff you've tried to graft on yourself to make it look like you're like the rest of the world won't matter anymore. And then what will happen is God will begin to change you, to transform you, and maybe in ways that you're not comfortable with. Maybe in ways that, boy, now you're not even close to this mold anymore. You don't even fit. Where you stand out in some way. You look a little weird or different. Very uncomfortable. And I don't know if you've had that experience or not with Jesus. Transforming looks like someone working you over. You know what I mean? Someone changing you, fundamentally changing your shape. And it's different. But Paul says, be no longer conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed shaped or changed. This is the work of God and it's work that God does in our life. The truth is that, and this is what's crazy, is that as we try to fit into the mold that the world has for us, it's the world that God spoke into existence. I heard of something this week, um, it was just a little side note, but I was stunned by it. Um, they were, scientists were talking about and I know sometimes we have tension with science, right? We're like, you know, is it faith? Is it science? As if there's this big war going on, um, which the culture loves to wage. But they were in awe, in awe, these brilliant minds. And they said, it looks like the entire universe, everything that's known, was created in a matter of seconds. And I'm like, yeah, that's what the Bible says. It says he spoke. And everything exists. And uh, that's shocking, you know, to the scientific community. I'm not saying we're right. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, right? It's cool. Yeah. Like that. Wait a minute. They were talking about this Higgs particle, and they said the undoing of the entire universe could happen in a nanosecond. What does the Bible say? In a blink of an eye. In a blink of an eye, it's over. This whole creation order is over. And I was like, yeah. Well, this idea that we're being changed or transformed is, is amazing. And I'll say, I'll, I won't try to get this point. I apologize. I was a little rabbit trail. But that the God who spoke the universe into existence is the God who is gently and lovingly trying to change you and me. Trying to mold our hearts. Trying to mold our lives. The same God who has fingerprints on the universe has fingerprints on us and our change. And, and what I would say about that is that why is it so hard for we're so willing to conform to the patterns of the world but we're not willing to be transformed by God's touch. We're not willing to believe that change. See, it's, a pa it's, it's not passive, I guess, but it's, it's a thing that is, it, we're acted upon, not an action of itself. 
And then the third, and this is where it then comes from, it's from Romans 2 as well. It says, um, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And I'm going to talk just for a minute about that. But um, this last point is that our, our minds uh, must be refreshed, right? They must be renewed. Um, the funny thing about Jesus saying, be like the little children, is little children, for all their flaws, are very open. They're very susceptible. That's why as parents, we take great care of them, right? Um, they, they get sick easy. Um, they get influenced. They, can, they, they follow strangers. You know, uh, by the way, they take candy from youth pastors at youth events. I notice that's one thing. But apparently, the new church is going to have silly string and, and candy involved. <laughs> um, but, uh, but they're very um, uh, vulnerable and, and, um, and open. And, and I say that because one thing that will happen, and I'm quite impressed with the state of this putty, although there's some yellow in here, I notice. Um, is that whenever I was a little kid, I would, I would make something. Did you ever make anything when you were a little kid with Play-Doh? Anybody? Raise your hands if you did. I like three of you. Good job. So I would put it on the shelf. I would be so proud of it, my dragon or my whatever. I don't know what it was. And then I would let it sit there. And what happens to it invariably? Yeah, it gets hard. It dries out, doesn't it? You put, you're like, I worked really hard on that. Look at it. It's a, I don't know what that is. And you set it there, and then it totally dries out and gets all funky. And, and you can't even play with it. It's fragile. You can't play with it or touch it anymore, right? Um, and it really becomes useless. The, the Play-Doh loses its usefulness at that point um, because we're so enamored with what we've made. Um, but it gets dry and crumbly. And, and that's what this idea is, that your mind must be refreshed. Uh, I'm struck by the fact in the Bible that whenever people won't um, listen to God, when people won't uh, accept the salvation he has for them, God calls them stiff-necked people. That's what he calls them, stiff-necked people. I, I want you guys to do something for me. I want you guys, you guys been looking up here the whole time. That's very good. I want you guys to look down. Let's go ahead and look down. That's right, commit to it. Nice. Now let's all look up. Okay. And I do. And, and that's what God says, that people who, who, who won't listen to his salvation, who won't receive the gift of transformation, they're stiff-necked. You know, they're dry and, 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 and frozen. And, and, and maybe it's for a good reason, but they're stuck there now. And, and there's this idea. Do you notice when you look up, you see things you never saw before? Do you ever notice that? Uh, if you take a moment to look around, I mean, you know, it, it's amazing. All the things, when you're not stiff-necked, that God is doing, has done around you. But Paul says that you must be uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a freshening of your mind. By the way, I mentioned the, the dried-out Play-Doh because one of the, um, <laughs> really, by the way, YouTube is amazing. You can find anything on there, right? But I was looking at how to renew old play-doh you know because there must be some secret maybe it's a certain oil you put on there maybe something special you do you know because but whatever i always always done is i had always just run underwater when it was old and dried out because my kids never put it away and then you just stand there at the sink and work it and work it and work it and work it and a little bit of water and all of a sudden it becomes new doesn't it yeah and so i got on youtube last night and i looked up you know how do you renew play-doh and it said go to your sink <laughs> put some water in there and work it and work it and work it one guy said, boil it. And then someone's like, I boiled it. It didn't work. <laughs> uh, just a little work and some water changes it. A little work and some water changes it. 
uh, I want to remind you of uh, the gospel that Jesus shared. He, he said to the woman at the well, um, I'm gonna, this is from John 4, by the way. I think it is John 4, yeah, 14. Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Because remember, she was drawing water to drink. And then he says this, Indeed, the water I give him, or her, will become in him, or her, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Be no longer conformed to the ways the world will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's this watering of God. And it's this working of God in our lives that changes us, renews our mind. And um, I just, and that's, I mean, that's consistent throughout Scripture. This idea that we must be refreshed or renewed. Um, one of the ways that I would challenge you to do that is through engagement with Scripture directly. I really would. Um, plug here for family groups. If you're not in a Bible study, family groups are great. By the way, we have a women's Bible study that's meeting two of them a week. We have a men's Bible study that's meeting every week right now. Um, find out about those opportunities, but it's really a different way to look at the world. And um, maybe you've been stuck where you're at. And maybe you're not feeling like you're, you're progressing, you're moving. But I have a question. Are you engaging the Word of God? Are you reading what it says? Are you praying that God would show you the truth of Scriptures? Um, I believe that this wellspring that, that, that uh, springs up in us. And the truth is that all of Scripture points to Jesus himself. I'm going to close with this. So many of us are resistant to that. We say, you know what? Um, I've done the Bible thing and it didn't work for me. Or I was raised in the house where we had a Bible. There's two ways I think Scripture can be abused. Okay? There's two ways it can be abused. And the first way is, is this. It can be ignored. Like, I think I told you before, we had a great big Bible in our house that nobody ever read. I don't know why it was even there. It just gathered dust, you know, and it was a pain to dust it because it was usually open to a page for some reason that no one was reading. And, and so it, just, it was just dry. It was, a, it was unused opportunity in our home. And so that's one way it can be abused is to be ignored. The second way Scripture can be abused is to, be, to hit people with it, to use it like a stick, to, to use it like a, a weapon, to use it like the law. And, and that's when, whenever the, the, the law was revealed to people. It was a grace to them, by the way, but people were ab abusive with it. They, they, and they abused others and themselves with the law. And what we hear, and Jesus talks um, himself about the promise is what? It's a journey with God. It's a revelation from God. It's walking life out with God. And it's not ignored, and it's also not abused. But it's this transformative power that we have through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and through faith uh, to be changed. And so um, I just wanted to share that with you. So when, when we say, and I'm gonna, this is going to be the, the warning, when we say as a church we're open and willing to change, that's hard territory to walk through. And I hope that we are sincere when we say it. And I don't have a plan, by the way, so I'm not saying get ready for Bill's plan because that's not what we're going to do either, right? But um, be ready to be challenged at every step of the way and be transformed by Jesus Christ. That's, that's my prayer for us today. Okay? Um, I, I'm going to um, ask the band to come up, and as they do, I'm just going to ask you to consider where you are with Jesus in your life. If, if, you, if you've not been challenged, you know, like if you've not experienced any of God's rebuke or um, God's uh, affirmation in your life, I would challenge you to examine um, um, your own relationship with Jesus. I just don't think he's in the business of leaving us where we are. I've not met anyone following him who said, I'm, I'm the same as I was even six months ago. And so if you're stuck in that place, we would love to pray with you. If you believe that Jesus um, is, 
external to your life is not critical to whatever's going on with you. And I, I know we're all ages here and everything, but if there's something you go, man, God is so far from me, or God is not, doesn't care for me, I would invite you to pray that he will reveal himself to you. And um, God will change everything in your life if you will let him. So um, I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer if you would uh, please pray with me. Now, Father God, we've come here today to learn more about you and who you are. And Father God, really honestly to be changed, to trans be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that means that we submit to you and your, your knowing hands um, who have made all things and you made us, that you would remake, uh, transform us into your image. Uh, Father, we confess that we are people who are, have a tendency toward um, sinful patterns and toward patterns of the world that don't look like Jesus at all. And, and so today, Father, we ask you would make us like your son through your grace and through your love, that you would truly challenge us in those areas of our lives we need to change, and that you would continue, uh, Father God, to um, embolden us in those areas where we're becoming like Jesus in our lives. And for my friends here who don't know you yet, I pray that they would come to know you I, I ask, Father God, as you have done all of our lives, you've been so graceful to us in revealing truth, and you've completely changed us. I pray, Father God, for those here uh, who think they're far from you, that you would let them know how near you are today. And uh, may everything we do, responses to your word, responses to the gospel, um, ministry, everything that we do in this life, I pray to be glorifying to you uh, as we follow you all the days. May you be blessed and honored because you're worthy. In Jesus' name, 